What is up, everybody? It is Thursday night. Thursday night means one thing. It is Doc Talk time here at Jackson Kayak. We're a little bit early tonight, but we got a very special guest from Delaware Paddle Sports on site. Let's kick this thing off. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Jackson Kayak Doc Talk. We have got a new guest tonight. Yep, back-to-back single guest. Uh, We missed last week. That is my fault. Had the birth of my new grandson, so we took a quick beat, and we're making it up tonight, making it up with Mr. Matt Trucks, who was gracious enough to award me that Thursday off. I appreciate that, Matt. It's a pretty good day for me on uh, last Thursday, so... But uh, yeah, coming to us live from none other than world-renowned Delaware Paddle Sports, man. Yeah, we're live here on site. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to the owners let me uh, set up in here and uh, come to you live from Delaware Paddle Sports. And uh, yeah, man, this is going to be an awesome show. I oh, mean, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, you're you're a man after my own heart. Uh so to give you a I'm gonna let you tell everybody. So the way we start off Doc Talk, Matt, tell everybody where you hail from and most of all, what are you paddling out there on the water? Well, I'm um coming straight to you from southern Delaware. Um that's if you guys don't know the geography, um south of the capital city Dover and north of Ocean City, Maryland. Um, you know, located right on the uh, Atlantic Ocean and um, the Indian River Bay and Rehoboth Bay. Uh, it's a great area for fishing. And um, yeah, so Delaware Paddle Sports is my home shop. And, you know, I've kind of made it at home with these guys and, you know, just bringing the kayaks to you. And uh, right now I'm paddling two kayaks, and that would be the Jackson Kayak Upic. And when I want a lighter kayak, I go with the Bite Angler. These are really great platforms for what I do, both fishing and photography, very stable platforms and, uh, yeah, just great paddling boats. And fortunately, you know, I invested in a Turquito years ago and that helps with all those situations. Mm-hmm, I can guarantee it makes it, uh, makes it a little faster to get back when the tide catches up with you, don't it? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and the Yupik flies, man. It's a great inshore boat, really. I mean, as far as everything that I've ever witnessed from yourself, Dustin Nichols and some of the others, I mean, it's really, Yupik's really found its home kind of in that genre, it, it seems. Yeah, the Yupik, I mean, it's even great offshore. I, I use it mm-hmm. about two to three miles offshore, you know, when the weather's right. It's, it's, it takes a, a good shot, you know, it's, it's just really stable. It's, it's a great boat for all those sort of occasions, even if it gets a little gnarly out there, you know, it, it can take it. Absolutely. Right on. That's what we like to hear. Now, Delaware Paddle Sports, you guys do a lot of stuff. You do a lot of rigging at Delaware Paddle Sports, no? Absolutely. Yeah. At, over here at Delaware Paddle Sports, we have knowledgeable and, um, you know, excellent staff on, on, to- on staff, you know, open seven days a week. You know, you can give us a call. We'll help you out over the phone if we can. You know, if you're if you're local or you feel like taking a drive, you can always bring your boat in. We'll we'll definitely uh, help you out with any kind of needs with rigging, and uh, yeah, even even helping get your fish finder working. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big thing anymore. Like, what all kinds of accessories and and stuff are you guys carrying in the shops obviously we know you guys have got jackson kayak among other brands but uh, as far as accessories go like if somebody's wanting to come in and get rigged up what do you guys have kind of there in store at delaware that uh, you can throw on somebody's boat tonight if they want it yeah sure so uh we carry um 
all of the accessories from Yak Attack. Um, we have a whole wall of just Yak Attack. We have Yak Gear products. We have Burley Pro products. Um, we have Boondocks. Um, pretty much anything you can think of uh, to rig your boat up. We also carry you know, the lines of um, all of the manufacturers of kayaks that we sell to. They're, they're uh, accessories that they make specifically for their boats. And I think one of the cool things about, excuse me, about Delaware Paddle Sports, it, one of the things that I see online as I'm perusing through on a day-to-day -day basis, they hand-deliver all their boats themselves in, up to a certain distance, um, from my understanding. And it's like they'll throw up the map, and it's like we're going here, here, and here, and here. And they put like a little star on there, maybe the, the brand of boat that you bought, some of the different things, which is very cool that you guys do that out there. Yeah, it's yeah. They like to call it white glove delivery. You know, it's it's not getting loaded on a, a big eighteen wheeler and shipped to your house. You know, flying around in the back or anything. You know, it's 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 loaded on our our uh, Chevy pickup truck and you know dropped off by one of our employees or the owners even do it. You know, it's 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 pretty much uh, everybody's involved with it. And the nice thing about that is, you know, you can get the kayak delivered straight to your house. And I believe we go mm -hmm. with four to five hours of the shop sometimes more um I, I know we've been doing some deliveries out in ohio um up mm -hmm. as far as vermont and then down as far south as north carolina so you know it, we're pretty pretty far on the uh expanse of delivery there but the nice thing about it is you know you have that hands-on with, with the whoever delivers the boat they can run you through everything you know when, when they get there especially if you have installs they can show you how everything works you know just and just go over mm -hmm. everything. yeah and that's something that you're not going to get from yellow freight or anything like that if you have something delivered so that's that's really cool and it goes i mean it's it's a very unique and special thing for anybody that's you know online shopping um definitely check out delaware paddle sports because i think it'd be uh, they're one of our great dealers um uh, that do that do the shipping they just happen to be the ones that take care of it themselves and it's a it's a really neat experience and you know your boat's going to be in good shape when you get it i think that's the biggest thing absolutely and then yeah the, the other things about delaware paddle sports since it's um well we do offer zero interest financing on all of our kayak brands and um mm -hmm. the other nice thing about it is delaware is a tax-free state so you save on all that sales tax oh nice yeah sales tax to eat you up on a big purchase like a kayak so just getting out of that alone that's worth ordering from delaware paddle sports altogether absolutely yep yeah and it was cool. You guys joined us on our, one of our last boat launches. Um, we all, it was, I think it was the big rig. We all had the, uh, the bells, the bells brewery and, and all that fun stuff. And that was a cool launch. It was good to see and bounce across the, all the different dealers. I can't wait till we can do that again. One of these days and get you guys all in the parking lot. And that'll be fun. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That was, was the big rig and the, uh, the new cruise. Yeah, it was it was neat to see it just bounce around shop to shop to shop to shop and hear all the dealers and all the input and see all the people on the floors. That was that was a neat and different um, different way to launch. I'm glad we did it that way. It was kind of improv, but it uh, man, it flew great and it worked worked phenomenal for what we was doing. Um, but the big reason you're here tonight is we share a common common love, and that is the photography. Um, absolutely awesome landscape photographer you are i'm going to shower you with compliments on that you've won several awards and among other things and for some of your work um let's kind of let's start at the basic um talk to us a little bit about your setup what you use day in day out when you're out there taking pictures yeah sure so um um as you all know um basically a majority of my photography is taken from the kayak. And the big thing about the kayak is it affords you a, a different zone or like places people can't get to from land. You know, you can set up landscape shots from basically the center of a pond or out in the ocean. You know, you, you have much more expanse of, of um, areas and zones that you can go to, you know, it's just not, you know, cause it seems like, 
a lot of photographers kind of go to the same places that, you know, but mm-hmm. you can get that different angle on those landmarks or, you know, you can get that, that shot like right up the river, you know, whereas from right. land, it's not going to be the same perspective at all. Uh, it's just, it affords you just so much a wider variety of, of composition and, and laying out your shots. Um, mm-hmm. So typically um, I'll use a, a very wide lens for landscape photography and um, I typically use a 18, or I'm sorry, a, a 15 to 35 millimeter uh, mm-hmm. wide angle lens. That's what I got here. This is the Canon 15 to 35. Um, I shoot Canon. Uh, it's really great glass. Um, the, it's an F 2.8, so it's pretty fast. So this mm-hmm. can actually be used for night photography, low light, that sort of thing too. Uh, and as you know, being on the kayak to, to get that pre dawn, like, you know, just before the sun comes up and the, and the amazing clouds and, you know, and the hues, having that fast lens really helps out with those situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing. Some of the low light stability that these cameras, these, some, a lot of these newer cameras have now it's, it's, it's mind blowing how, how far you can open up your shutter and how far you can open up your uh, f-stop and just, you know, 1.2 on a lot of them. And then you've got, obviously you can run the ISO up higher and add the fake light in more than what you ever could, which is truly amazing. And it, really goes a long way with some of these low light condition photos absolutely yeah and i actually shoot with the uh, canon eos r5 it's a professional grid mm-hmm. camera um and it, it does really well in low light and at high isos with reduced um noise uh, image noise mm-hmm. at that low light uh perspective and all so it's just yeah and that's it's uh, tough bringing that's a, a camera of that magnitude on the kayak but you know, it's, it's well worth it. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that particular model of camera is well renowned, not just by photographers, but across a lot of the YouTube community as well. I mean, it's, it's still pretty much a staple today as it was, you know, when it first launched. Absolutely. Yeah. And like it's, you said, it's, it's nice because it has that that five axis stabilization in it. So even with the mm-hmm. kayak, as you're moving all the time, you know, you can really with the with an autofocus and and the image stabilization on with a lens that that uh, has that feature, it really helps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it keeps you shooting those crisp photos, you know, pretty much. You know, you, you can't shake too much, but, you know, obviously <laughs> it, it helps. Yeah. The yeah, the stabilization or Sony calls it IBIS goes a long, long way. It it truly makes everything way better. We was talking about Tamron lenses, and some of those t- earlier Tamrons don't have that image stabilization like the G Master or the Canon lenses have. And man, that image stabilization goes a long way. Um, now, when you f- like, what came first? Did fishing come first or did photography come first? How did those two things kind of like marry into each other to become one thing? Oh, fishing came first. I mean, I've been fishing since I was a little kid. So, but the photography kind of meld together, um, with just shooting videos back in the day for Jackson kayak, you know, just kind of, mm-hmm. well, you know, it might be cool to have a still image, you know, here and there, or, you know, just being out there on the water and, and just, you know, feeling the, the, uh, the natural beauty of everything and just wanting to be able to capture that as you see it. And, you know, so I'd say definitely fishing was first, but yeah, as I got into the kayak fishing and that sort of thing, it it definitely brought the photography out more than I ever had. So yeah, it's, it, it just goes hand in hand, you know, when the fishing's slow, break out the camera. Yeah. Yeah, that happens quite often, I think, for a lot of us. It, it's kayak fishing is kind of funny in that regard. I think, like, a lot of us have kind of picked up a camera because of kayak fishing. I know I have as, as well as you, but are you ever like impressed when you think about like guys like yourself, Chris Funk, and some of the others, like just how these two things have kind of morphed and they, there's almost a connected group of people just through that oh yeah i mean it's 
it's it's its own pa passion you know the the photography side you know it's, and it's it just brings people together that like to do that sort of thing um yeah anybody can do it just get into it you know it's just it's for me it's just it's really become a passion you know sometimes more than fishing they got to be honest with you yeah i can i can definitely see that on my end too it's it creeps up and you're always it's just like fishing in a lot of ways because you're you're always trying to push it just a little bit further. Like you'll find yourself, well, what if I try this? What if I try that? And you, you kind of push yourself in that craft just as much as you do the fishing. Oh, absolutely. You know, and then especially as you take photos, the more you learn, you know, you, the more mm -hmm. you learn to kind of tone in your settings and, and understand, you know, well, you know, especially being digital, it's not like the film days, you know, you could see what you're taking a picture of. And um, the camera I run is mirrorless. So you can actually see through the viewfinder, basically, you know, what your picture is going to look like at the end product, which is a, a big oh. help. Yeah, you can. And I think, you know, with the settings, if somebody's learning, like if they're shooting auto, you know, take a look at those settings, like take your picture, look at the settings and think about what that, cameras doing and then as you kind of keep learning you're you're going to see how that camera is adjusting for this time of day or the night or whatever it uh, has to be but um so aside from like kayaking and your photography like i've seen a lot of the landscapes and the different things i mean the those are what a lot of your awards are um how much like do you get off the beaten path that maybe we don't see online or see through your page that you just go out on a random night and shoot, shoot in the streets and do the different things like that? Or do you pretty much stick to outdoor photography? Uh, yeah, I, I stick to totally outdoor photography uh, and I try to keep it as much in nature as possible. Yeah, I, I feel nature is just uh, beautiful and it, and it's, it's just, it needs to be captured in a way that kind of expresses, um, how it feels to me and uh, you know the whole idea is you know it, it kind of comes from the heart so to let others understand how it is like just hiking in the woods you know it, most people are probably like ah that's kind of boring but to me mm -hmm. you know the, the natural aspect uh, and that side of it is it's just amazing um you know so off the kayak is pretty cool too because you know you can go around and and find like the like you can get into like the macro side of photography and, and just kind of find like the smallest flower and then take a picture of it. Cause you've never seen it before. And then, you know, just kind of look it up on Google and be like, wow, you know, that's, that's an endangered species, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's kind of a challenge actually. Yeah. Macro is I the only thing I've got into with macro is probably nuts and bolts. I've never, never actually had the opportunity or never, taking the opportunity to to really get up close to different plants and different kinds of things like catch a bug or, or any of that um but i think it you know has definitely a neat neat feel and you know there's some of these things that you can really get up close to as well as far away from and there's just there's so much to to photo and it's really the artist subjective i mean wouldn't you say as far as you have to love it first, but it really doesn't matter if 10 people love it or one person loves it. I think as long as you love it yourself, then it, it finds a happy place within you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's for me, it's, I'm not even trying to be a professional at it. You know, it's, it's just a hobby. It's just, it's just mm -hmm. become something that you love to do and you enjoy, you know, it's, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that's going to take like 20 photos and share them all online. You know, I'm just going to like mm -hmm. pick one or two a week, maybe, or, or three a week, you know, on a separate days that if I got out that week, you know, everybody's got to work. So, but, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's, and then just like, because I feel that those express the day that I was out taking some photos more than, you know, all the other ones. And, and I can't even say that I take a lot of photos when I'm out during the day, you know, I, I try for, for one kind of perspective on things. And then I try to switch it up to kind of see how it is from the other side just to, to understand like, Oh, maybe the lights coming from the, from this side, but 
you know, why not shoot right behind the light or, you know, just to get different shadows and, you know, different, different perspectives of, of the distance, you know? Yeah. And like one of the things that, I, that I find that I really like about your photos is the dynamic, um, that you get out of the clouds. The, I mean, there's a lot of times I just, I don't want to say they have anger, but there's just, they're there. They're the clouds and the sky is, is very present in your landscape photos. And that is one of the things that I, I really like. And I kind of went down that path a little bit. Like when I would have the GoPro, like I always over my head, I would always try to pull the clouds out. So it kind of added something to that photo. So it just wasn't like a dead space at the top of it or whatever. When we was back in the day doing this, the photo grabs and all that junk, but it's, it's neat how you do that. Like how much time do you spend typically editing each photo or is it, do you edit at all? Um, so the editing process, because um, I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little secret here. So with my camera in camera, I shoot what they call an HDR high, dy high dynamic ratio. So basically mm -hmm. it's a, it's a bracketed shot. Um, so it gives you a, uh, your first shot will be your camera settings where you're at. The second shot will be a, um, a darker image. So either depends on how you have your camera set up to bracket, but it, it'll shoot a, a lower EV. Uh, mm -hmm. so basically it'll be a darker photo. And then the third shot will shoot a higher EV. So it'd either be a longer exposure or, a or a more ISO, uh, whichever mm -hmm. one you pick. So now when you take that into your editing software, you take those three bracketed photos and you merge them into one. So basically it overlays each photo. Now you, you can't, the problem with this is on the kayak, you can't be moving at all. You can't be shifting off or to the left or the, to the right. It's gotta be a straight shot or else it's gonna look kind of weird when you overlay those photos. But mm -hmm. once you overlay them, it gives you way more depth it gives you um uh what do, what do i want to say um it it lets you control the the contrast and and the exposure and 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 you know just it gives you so much more on those dials to, that you can actually understand the depth of the photo and and bring it out mm -hmm. i mean the human eye does this automatically so but with a one shot on the camera, you're not going to get all that depth because you're not getting the, the highs and the low tones of the light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And you see that a lot with uh, the, uh, the dudes that shoot a lot of night portraits. There's usually two or three photos that merge into one to make, you know, the stars in the sky, whatever's in the foreground and, and to bring that foreground out, you know, they'll spend a lot of time with that. And then there's the dark right. background and then there's the sky. So that kind of, that's actually photo stacking. It's that's a different yeah. Uh, process. Yeah. <clears throat> Similar in speech. Uh, excuse me. Right. But, but um, yeah. So let's see, where was I going? So this is what happens on doc talk when you do a live show, because you're like finding the grooves and you cough and then you lose it. <laughs> It's all now you were there. So the photo stacking just it just brings out more light, more depth. Um, you know, out of out of every picture you take. So a majority of my landscapes, I shoot HDR. Um, not at night, obviously, because you're going to get a black image. You're going to get um, an image that's unless you have a tripod, or it's going to be blurry because you're going to move. It's there's just no way you can hold the camera. That's still so. Um, but for landscapes during the day, early morning, um, really early morning, you definitely need a tripod. You have to hold that camera as still as possible or else it's, you know, the HDR will never merge correctly because it's not all in one frame, you mm -hmm. know, perfectly. It can't shift. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep, cause I mean, it seems like I know dude, when I'm kayaking, the wind is always freaking present how do you keep yourself centered are you power pulling down running anchor uh, what do you do to like really lock in when you want to shoot something like that well that's where the torpedo comes in and with the foot control steering you can really get in that groove once you understand it and it, it'll hold up to 
the tide and the current and the wind if if you just get in that perfect groove just to just to hold yourself still for that that split second that it takes to take that bracketed shot you know it's like you know and then you're good yeah <laughs> you can let it go yeah, that's, that's one of the amazing things i think i've seen jeff little do in some of his videos is like really use that foot steering to like a lot of guys like that bow mount trolling motor to spot lock or whatever but right. you, when you watch Jeff do some of his fishing videos and how he like he's constantly pumping and working those foot pedals to like really stay in a spot, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, back when I was paddling, it was impossible to take bracketed shots. Um, but you know, back then, you didn't really have the the camera technology where you could do that as easily as you can now. Um, so that really helps. And have, like I said, we went over the image stabiliz- stabilization and all that. That really helps. Uh, but paddling, you're going to have to, you know, anchor up or, you know, use a parking pole or some, some sort of thing like that just to kind of keep yourself still. But the issue with that is then you can't really line yourself up where you want to take that shot. And you're just kind of dependent on how the wind pushes you. Yeah. Tanner Spiel's got you a little sharing a little love to you about the rigging tutorials back in the day. So thanks for all. Thanks for thanks a lot. And loves all the wicked photos. Thanks, Tanner, man. Yeah, that goes back to the Plastic Hall, man. I started that website back in 2013, you know, just to help out everybody. It's a free website, mm-hmm. you know. I just did it all for, you know, for the community. Yeah, I just put all my knowledge right into that site. I got to get back to doing that. It's been a while. Yeah, Rudy says, what's up? Um, cool. Love foot steering makes it a lot more manageable. That's, yeah, I've, I have yet to get a motor, actually. I'm probably like, becoming i'm becoming that last holdout i'm not like getting to be that grouchy old man it's not that i don't haven't thought about it i've thought about it a lot it's gonna happen just ain't done it yet yeah for me man i was just never into the pedals you know i was never into the to the uh the it was just too much stuff in front of me and uh you know it just wasn't really kind of up my alley so it just kind of never went that direction um I started with Torquedo back in, in uh, 2014. That's when I bought my first uh-huh. motor. I just never went back. You know, I went straight from paddling hardcore, like six to eight miles a day, you know, just three miles to the fishing spot and then three miles back, you know, just, mm-hmm. just to be like, all right, well, you know, we're getting bigger kayaks now. I got the uh, original big rig and I was just like, I'm like, I love this boat. I love the stability of it, but I don't like paddling in the wind and the tide back, you know, it's no. just, you know, that old thing, man, I can remember, like, it really, especially, like, if you come from a different brand and then you got in a big rig, it was like, I think this thing glides, you know, you was, like, kind of okay with it. But then, oh, sure, like, yeah. you, you met that wind head on that one fine day, and it was, like, almost like you could feel the boat go and just kind of, like, hold up. Those well, then you're used to a Kuda 14 back in the day, you know? <laughs> yeah. To something I mean, slick like that, you know? yeah the wind the wind is not your friend sometimes when you're kayaking but you learn to deal with it you learn to adjust and you make it work because you got to get back so do you ever miss that part of it do you miss like that little bit of work that went into paddling and and the different things oh absolutely you know but the industry kind of got away from those those slick boats you know and Mm -hmm. now we're kind of you know on wide you know stable platforms so um I come from saltwater, you know, I don't do a lot of, a lot of lake or pond fishing, um, barely any river fishing. I just, I just, I'm just like salty as salt can be, man, you know? So the yeah. areas I fish are, you know, heavy current all the time and, you know, and you're just at the mercy of the wind and current. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, I still do have my CUDA 14 and I do take it out here and there, you know, it's just yeah. to bring back some memories. Mm-hmm. Now talking about salt, I mean, We've talked about photos a little bit. Let's get into the fishing part because I, I know that's what a lot of people probably they like hearing us talk about photos because they're learning in the different things. But let's get into the fishing just a little bit. You're like one of our, I mean, really, I mean, you're kind of like the saltwater guy up in there. Rudy dabbles. Rudy kind of moves around and fishes fresh and fishes different things. But uh, as far as the Northeast goes, man, I mean, you're kind of our. You're kind of our saltwater guru out there, stripers, different things. I mean, what all are you fishing for beyond, you know, stripers and all that? It's kind of the lay uh, of the land, time, if this you will. time of year. Oops, sorry. What's that? I said just kind of the lay of the land of what's up there. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I go for stripers. That's like my main fish. You know, it's, it's kind of a year round fishery here. Fortunately, um, we can catch them from when the water's 70 degrees to when it's 32. That's the right when that round when they cut off. But, um, other than that, I mean, we got, we got uh flounder fishing, um, actually uh, white perch season's about to kick in here and, uh, they're all coming in the spawn now. So we get the big ones. Um, around uh about two to three months from now we'll have the uh the yellow eyed demons also known as the bluefish and um mm -hmm. those are some toothy critters man they're fun to catch that they're uh they're diesel fish man um so looking forward to that and then you can go actually right out into the delaware bay over here um usually starts around april may and uh you mm -hmm. can hook yourself into a hundred pound uh black drum which is wow. That's pretty crazy. You know, I, fortunately I've tried, unfortunately I've never landed one that size, but you know, it's, it's, that's on the bucket list, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, um, we got all kinds of fish, you know, gray trout, uh, speckled trout, you know, it's mm -hmm. a lot of saltwater species here. And then the, um, I don't know if y'all caught um, the, uh, when we all went fishing with Jameson writing out uh, yeah. on the outer wall here, um, we got into them tog and, uh, those are pretty cool fish you know they, they kind of stay in that structure totally different kind of fishing um mm -hmm. then along with the sheep's head and the trigger fish so that that'll be uh starting up in the uh late spring so it's, it's going to be a ton of species to target coming up but for right now yeah winter i fish all winter long and uh it's it's um striped bass and also what they call here on the eastern shore they call them rockfish mm -hmm. Now, Jameson didn't fare very well in that episode, best I remember. Was it him or was it just the day? Uh, it was a little of both, to <laughs> be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, tog fishing is, is a different style of fishing. So I'm going to say it was him because he never did it before. And it takes a little bit of finesse learning it and understanding how they, you know, you feel like a little tap, 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 you know, that's when you got to like set that hook. But, you know, it's just, it's just something that it takes time to learn. And he caught two fish that day, you know, and, and two nice ones. So, yeah, he caught on. It just took him a while. And then with the rockfish, the first day, it was a little off. Like the water was still mm -hmm. freezing cold. Um, the wind was ripping and it, that's tough, especially when the water's that cold. Those, those fish are kind of lethargic still. So the mm -hmm. issue is, is your bait's moving too fast when that wind's pushing you, you know, you just got to kind of just bounce that thing on the bottom real slow, you know, but with the wind and the currents that day, it was, it was tough fishing, you know, I mean, he did catch one towards the end of the day, but he lost it. And I still tell him that fish doesn't count. Sound like he's musky. Um, <laughs> exactly. So anybody that's anybody that's looking for that episode of road trip angler we just dropped it in the comment section for you guys so if you guys want to watch that one up in delaware or any of the others that jameson um has been on his adventures fishing with the guys from the team like matt trucks um hit the link and it'll take you right to his youtube space um but yeah that was a cool episode i that first season was fun to watch all you guys interacting and being on the episodes and the different things like that i think it was it was fun it was just fun to see the team really rallied around the show and and all that um striper fishing i mean always intrigued by striper fishing and i don't know i do kind of know where this came from it came from an episode i don't remember if you remember the show city limits fishing with mike iconelli he goes out into the boston harbor and he catches a giant striper since yeah. then it's kind of been like a a little bit of an obsession. I have actually never landed one from my kayak. It drives me nuts. I actually took a trip and did a guided trip, which don't get me wrong. It was fun. The buddy that I was with, he's not, he likes fishing. He's not an avid angler. So like to do it live bait on the back of somebody else's boat while they're finding the fish for you was no big deal to him. I still feel incomplete, very, very incomplete about it because I didn't locate, cast, and catch it. Um, I reeled it in. Uh, but, yeah, man, have you ever done, like, ever thought about going up to Boston Harbor? Have you ever done any of that kind of stuff for striper fishing? 
Oh, absolutely. We used to fish a tournament up on uh, Winter Island. That's just um, up past Boston in Salem, Massachusetts. And um, mm. in the middle of the summer, you're fishing up there and the water is still 50 degrees. But you're catching monster stripers up there. And they're just there all summer because that's where they go in the summertime. They like that that cool water temp, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I missed that tournament. Uh, I think it ended about... I want to say six years ago or seven years ago. Um, but those, those days were a blast, man. Um, and just like the, uh, tournament we used to fish in Jamaica Bay. Uh, there was a the Jamaica Bay classic that tournament went on for, I think, I want to say it had to be 15 years. I think that it ended, mm. but, um, and that one was, uh, typically in March or April. No, sorry. It was in May. That's right. It was always the weekend after mother's day weekend. And that's where all those fish gathered after they spawned before they went up to Boston, Massachusetts. So we catch them trophy fish right there, um, right by JFK airport in New York. Be awesome, dude. That would be, it'd be very cool. But no, it's, uh, you know, of course, Charlie, our customer service guy, who's been on a um, couple episodes, you know, we're, we're stuck with the landlock one. Now Charlie's kind of got it figured out where he catches some pretty good ones. Um, we like to share swim bait pictures back and forth, glide baits and different things. But um, it's no comparison. I mean, those fish, though, I think when they get big, man, they dig. I would like to feel the difference between, like, one that's in these rivers down here um, in the Tennessee River, Kentucky area, versus the uh, big ones out in the salt, man. I just I can't imagine. Yeah, those big ones in the salt, they don't they don't give up, man. They they just keep on digging and digging, you know. It's and, and uh you know, it's it's like you'll get them almost up and then they'll just start ripping line again and you'll be back to square one. It's so mm -hmm. much fun. I can imagine, dude. Like <clears throat> big big striper in a kayak. I mean, what's that look like as far as like gear and what you use to wrangle in these beasts? I mean, cuz that's no small feat in a kayak number one. Um, well, it, it, it varies to where you fish up north. They, they like the tube. Um, it's mm -hmm. a 12 to 24 inch tube. Mm -hmm. um, some of them got spinners on the front of them. And then what you do is you put a, uh, what they call a sandworm on the end. And uh, mm -hmm. that gives you the scent. You could even use a piece of like gulp, any kind of scented bait. Um, and then you just troll those around. Um, and then you fish in places like New York and New Jersey. Uh, those fish, they they really like the wood plugs in the spring, like the handmade, mm. like really nice wood plugs. Uh, but you could always get away with just like a, um, a six to nine inch Z-Man uh, swim bait, you know, just a, like a the uh, mullet style with a you know an ounce to an ounce and a half jig out in the out in that deep water and, and catch the fish mm -hmm. right on that too. So it does vary, you know, but it really depends on kind of where you're fishing. Um, the baits that they like and then come fall it's it's kind of weird because it all switches to like metals like big spoons and um because um basically those fish they they feed on the menhaden and mm -hmm. the menhaden that they, they they make that flash and that's what the fish go after so in the fall it, that's what they're attracted to mm -hmm. hmm. yeah no that's absolutely fascinating i would love, i would love to come out and take a stab at it with you and Rudy one of these days. I think that would Absolutely. be like killer. Um, well, here, so, I mean, we, we can catch them on a three inch jig head with a three inch um, Z-Man, you know, just the yeah, plastic swim baits. It's, and you catch some big ones on that. So Now, as far as, like, we see a lot of the West Coast uh, saltwater kayak fishing community. We see a lot of the Gulf uh, Texas boys, uh, some of the Florida guys um, in the kayaks and the different things. Talk to us a little bit about what's that East Coast kayak vibe like? I mean, how big is that community and like what do you what do you see from it? Uh, I gotta tell you, um, I remember back in 2009, 2008 when I was the only guy on a kayak out on the water, you know and um, I'm gonna say it's exploded. Um, you know, it's, it's become a pretty tight knit community, you know, that there's, there's always that com camaraderie. Yeah. When we used to have a lot of tournaments and that, that sort of thing, um, granted 
the tournaments aren't as much, but it's still, you know, the, the guys are still getting together to go fishing together, you know, it's, mm -hmm. and um, it's just more enjoyable when you're fishing with other people and, and just having that fun together, finding the fish, calling them over when they're there, you know, it's, but I got to tell you, kayak fishing has, has insanely exploded since I'd say 2010 till now. And, and everybody can see that, you know, it's, it's, it's unreal. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we put a lot of time into into uh, making that happen, and and it's it's just awesome how how expanded it's become. It's, that is awesome and good to hear. I mean, because like I said, I mean, you're you're kind of our eyes and the ears on the east, and you know, it's it's good to see that it's exploding in every facet. I think that you know, even if it's freshwater, saltwater inshore i mean it's it's exploded in, in its entirety um no and i don't think it's going back anytime soon especially the way these boat prices are going it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to come into delaware and sling a couple thousand bucks over um ninety thousand dollars that some of these big boats are costing now oh yeah but the other thing is i mean gas prices are high and um, mm -hmm. I know when I'm at the shop helping them out with installs and that sort of thing, you know, sometimes I'll help out customers and, uh, they'll be like, yeah, I just sold my boat. Cause the, the maintenance and the gas was just getting too high. And, you know, I've seen you guys on YouTube doing this kayak fishing thing and I'm really into it, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that's why it's so great for when people come into Delaware paddle sports, cause we have that knowledgeable staff there and, you know, it's, it's to bring them in and, and find out their needs and, and the, you know, you know, what they want to fish for, you know, whether they want to paddle, pedal, motorize, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's just quite an experience. And I don't see it, it not growing even with the price of the plastic these days, you know, it's, I mean, I'm sure some people are a little more hesitant where when they're first getting into the sport, they're, they're going to go with like, um, you know, a, a less well-made kayak just to save some money, just to see if they like it, you know? And I tell people, I'm like, you know, just, just come down to the shop and, and paddle the boats we have first before you, you kind of make that commitment on the cheaper one. And then you're six months down the line and they're like, you're really into it. Now you got to, you know, go out and buy a whole yeah. new one. So. Well, and I think that's guilty of us all as fishermen. I think anglers, um, we'll buy that start, I think, and buy that cheap rod. And then it's kind of like, well, okay, caught a fish. I can do, I could have something that's stronger, have something that's better. And it just, we tend to rabbit hole, <laughs> right? go down rabbit holes with different things. And, and I don't know, I, I can remember, gosh, I feel like I've been through like thousands of rods at this point, just buying different stuff to try. And I don't think it ever ends. Tanner no, says, buy once, one try one. just buy one, stop buying stuff. <laughs> no. no, I sent Donald Corbett was on our last episode of Doc Talk. We had him as an individual guest like we're having you tonight. But obviously he owned that 412 bait company back in the day. Well, that sparked me down memory lane. And it seems like, you know, I can't quit buying tech. Did I need anything? No. But I spent like 120 bucks and had a huge bag of tackle delivered. I mean, it just never ends. I just like buying tackle. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I used to use those just, you know, for catching stripers, man. They were great, actually, mm -hmm. until the bluefish come around and they're, they're just chomped. <laughs> chomped up. Yeah. Yep. But, um, no, that's awesome. So kind of marrying two things and, and seeing what you do. I got to ask. What is one of the best, most memorable trips that you have been on? I mean, you, like I said, you used to film early in the days um, with JK and some of that. What are some of the best trips that you remember, you know, from back in the hay? Well, I'm not going to call it the heyday, but back in the day when everything's first started really rolling. Uh, believe it or not, I'd, I'd say when, um, when I was up in New Jersey and uh, we started Heroes on the Water up there. And, mm -hmm. um, that really meant a lot to me because, you know, here were these veterans and, you know, they're all, uh, they work pretty much directly with the VA and, uh, you know, here's these guys and, and ladies that, you know, served our country and, you know, and, uh, we got to take them fishing and we got to, you know, bring them a great day with kayaks and fishing rods, you know, like 
mm. they probably would have never expected something like this to be a thing, you know? And, um, yeah, just to see that grow and, and it repeat, like the same veterans would love to come back at, to all of our events. And, you know, that, that really, um, meant a lot to me, you know, putting that extra time and effort in on, on, you know, bringing the community together to, to help people that serve for us. You know, it's, it's, it was really, I, in my experience, I, I, I think feeling that grow and become from, I think our first event, we had maybe eight or nine veterans and uh, we had about 10 volunteers and then seeing that grow over 10 years to where it was, where we'd have events with almost 200 people in one event. Yeah. Just it, that was pretty amazing to me. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, now I got to ask this question. Favorite photo that you've taken so far? From the kayak or one, just? Just in general, do you have one that's like, it's just yours and like you love it? No yeah, matter how so, many times you look at it. So two, I was two years ago, two years ago. Um, so over here in Delaware, we have, um, it's a old fort that was built for World War II for defending the bay from uh, German U-boats. And they built these tall concrete structures um, and they're called fire spotting towers. So it's just like a tall mm -hmm. structure with like a little slit where they, they peer out and um, they would basically triangulate to where the artillery would fire if they spotted an enemy craft out there. Um, and there's this particular one um, actually in the state park over here where um, you can actually visit it and you can walk up the stairs. So the nice thing about it because of um, uh, egress code, they have lights inside of it that are on all the time. So I, I noticed this, I don't know, I guess like six years ago, something like that. I was just kind of happened to be driving by there at night. And I was just like, like, wow, those lights kind of like look kind of cool in the fog, you know? Mm -hmm. So so I, I just planned this out. Um, I took this shot, had to be at six different occasions. And finally, it's two years ago, I, I got the, I had the perfect conditions with the perfect amount of fog to where the lights mm -hmm. just shot through the, the, from the, out the little slits and, and little windows right out of the tower and lit up the air basically as like, mm -hmm. um, kind of like light rays popping out all over the place. Um, that's one of my favorites right there. Uh, it won an award. It won, it was on the uh, cover of Delaware Beach Life magazine here locally, and it also won second place for Delaware Press Association. So, um, but that that photo for me to plan out and take the time to to actually capture it the way that I felt it should have been captured. That's why it's my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. There is something like when you find that one thing, mine was the moon for a long time. I've got my shot of the moon that I keep and I, it's mine. Like I haven't shared it anything, but when you find that one thing that's like, I don't know, man, it just, it drives you. And it's like, you, you will try it multiple times with me. I mean, I don't know. There's just something about it. It's crazy what it does to you. It's, it's like trying to catch a bigger fish. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Just to get that. For me, it's like, it's, it's a vision I have. Like, um, I don't know if it's a dream I have, then it comes to me later when I see it, I'm like, Oh, that's the spot. You know, I gotta, I gotta mm -hmm. get that perfectly and pristine and, and, you know, get the scene, like the, the way that I thought of it, you know, and sometimes it's impossible. <laughs> it really is. It, yeah. It's sometimes it's impossible to, Cause you can see, you can see what you want. You can see that in your mind, but it doesn't always come out like it looks in your mind. But when it does like what you're talking about, it's crazy. Yeah. Some of the best shots are the ones that you think about in your mind and, and you just try to set it up the way that you feel it should look. Absolutely. Yeah. It, there's just, there's something about it. it it's amazing. It's it. <laughs> I compare it to like when you come back from a day of fishing and you've been fishing, but you also took your camera and you look through it and you find two or three images that are just, I'm going to call them bangers or just that one image. You generally just have one that you're just like obsessed with. That's as good as catching the biggest fish swimming that day. 
Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yep. I mean, that's what it's all about when you have the camera in hand and, you know, and you can see it, you're there, you know, and you just Mm want to capture it the exact way that you're seeing it. So, you know, you can share that point in time, you know, with the composition that you put together and have people understand, like, you know, feel it, smell it, taste it, you know, Mm -hmm. just, just to convert that from a still image is it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, like we wear, we wear a lot of amber sunglasses as anglers and different things. And a lot of times when you're out there, that amber light, the way it hits your glasses and the way you'll look out over the water, the different things. Sometimes it's hard. Like when you take the photo and you look at the photo, you're like, dang it, that don't look like what I've seen. But if you add (laughs) a little bit of that warmth and that amber glow to your photo, then all of a sudden it looks like what you've seen through your eyes. And that's a big thing. Yeah, it just makes everything pop. Oh, yeah. I remember one of the photos that I've got hanging up on my wall um, that I love a lot was actually when we were getting all the smoke haze in Indiana from Colorado. And it was just blowing in. And the sun, like we had these ominous storm clouds where a storm had just passed, but the sun was popping up over them. And it was just, it was just completely had a lot of warmth to it it was just this hazy round circle that just didn't have a lot of light but it was prominent and it was there but over in the foreground was this dude that like kind of took me under his wing when i started like bass fishing and fishing boat tournaments and all that kind of thing and he's his boat and him are just out there fishing this offshore point and it, it, he's really small and a lot of people can't they would never know it was him but i know it was him and to me that is like that's one of my banger photos that still hangs on my wall to this nice. day do i like to ask this to a lot of photographers because it some do and some don't do you print your photos and hang them up <laughs> i have no wall space left in my house <laughs> if that answers your question <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially, you know, that the ones that mean a lot to me, yeah, it's, it's, it's important that, you know, I like to come home and see these photos and give myself inspiration, um, from past events, you know, just, mm-hmm. just those things that, you know, I saw it, I shot it and there it is. And, it, and it's pretty amazing. You know, it's, and most of the shots that I actually have printed weren't even planned shots. It's just those kind of shots where it's like, right time, right place. You know, it's, it's just pretty amazing that way. Absolutely. Um, what brand of camera do you use? So I'll let you back that one up. We got that question again from the audience. So I'll let, the, let you oh, tell yeah, them sure. again real quick. I, I shoot with a Canon R5. Um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty top of the line mirrorless camera from Canon. And then I shoot uh, my landscapes with a, a Canon. I'll show you here. It's the Canon 15 to 35 L 2.8. Uh, lens. It's an excellent lens for landscape photography. Sure. Tanner says those hazy days were wild. Yeah, they were. That was that was a wild summer uh, for sure, but it made some awesome photos regardless of where you were at the moment that just had a cool background. But no, that's that's awesome. Dude, I love hearing that you hang up your photo because there's a lot of folks that don't. Uh, my buddy Zach that does the Orion podcast with me, he actually... I mean, aside from his kids, um, you know, he very rarely prints out some of his stuff that he's got. He's got some amazing mountain shots from elk hunting out in Colorado and different places like that. Man, I just it sucks when you it's 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 very gratifying when you can come home, like you're saying, and see him. Like when I walk into this office, I've kind of got a row that sits in front of me where I can just sit out here at my desk and look at them. And I remember those times and I remember the places where I was like, I've got one photo where I was hanging off over the side of a bridge, taking a picture of a guy in a rock star five. I colored the boat, like pugged with the colors, actually shifted the color of the boat from blue to gray. I got in so much trouble over that. They made me take it down when I posted it on social media because it looked like a prototype boat. Um, but I, I got enough trouble over that boat that I actually went and had a canvas made and hung it on my wall. Um, but you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, like you said, I mean, just to feel, 
to feel those photos again every time you see them and know where you were and it it really brings back the memories absolutely yep that's what it's all about keeping those memories yep so as we kind of close out here um i want to kind of let you tell and talk about some of the awards that you've won um and also i'd like for you to tell kind of folks where to find you on social media if they want to take in your photography take in some of your fishing knowledge and maybe just keep up with delaware paddle sports just kind of tell them where to connect with you at uh sure yeah so um i i've won a lot of a local awards nothing national or anything like that but um i started competing in 2019 and um and that's all because my dear mom was like you take amazing photos you should compete in these photo contests and she showed me them in the newspaper i'm like I'm like, ah, you know, and yeah. um, since since then, I've placed in every contest locally uh, since 2019, which is pretty amazing. So I've actually That's won awesome. 27 awards, I believe it is. That's that would be the first, second and third places, all different categories ranging from landscape to black and white to um, down to like um, wildlife type of photos, like um, natural stuff like uh, flowers and, you know, flora, fauna. Um, to insects, to mushrooms, you know, just like mm-hmm. all the cool stuff, you know. Um, and then uh, I believe I've had uh, eight honorable mentions throughout those years too. So it's it's, it's pretty much an honor to to placing these contests because they they are judged by uh, professional photographers. Uh, it's just I'm just blown away by it to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, it's just it's that's it's become a passion to me to to and you know what the hardest part about the 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 um, the photo contest is is actually picking the photos to enter into the contest, believe it or not, yeah. you know, I can and, see that. and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it's been awesome. Um, you know, for throughout the past five years of, um, competing and, um, I'd like to get on that national level eventually. Um, but I, I think I have a lot to learn still, believe it or not. You know, it's just, I'm not a professional, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a killer hobby. It's an expensive hobby, just like fishing. Oh yeah. So, but you know, but mad. it's just, it's completely enjoyable just like fishing so it's 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 the the balance of both you know just just enjoying that and being there yeah now give everybody kind of the where they can find you on social media and how to how to connect sure so um if you don't know my website um unfortunately i haven't updated it in a few years and that's the uh the plastic hull.net um, my photography website, I'm looking at changing the name. Um, unfortunately, I, I kind of built this website to maybe bring on other photographers. And I just, I just want something more personal. But for now, that is seascapeexposures.com. That's S-E-E instead of S-E-A, scapeexposures.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram. And that, that would be under Trucks Compositions. That would be my, my photography account and then i also have the plastic hall for the kayak fishing side of things on, on instagram and uh it's actually the same for facebook although i don't use facebook as much these days i just honestly find a lot of negativity there so i kind of stay away from the facebook side of things i believe i hear you instagram's kind of nice to you especially if you're a photographer person it's just kind of been that space for so long right now it's, it's kind of for that yeah it's kind of changing unfortunately but there are places right. have you have you ventured over to Vero yet i have not i've been thinking about there, it yes yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good photographers over there it it has its spurts like it'll come and it'll kind of hit hard and then it kind of tapers back down and then it hits hard and then it tapers back down so this is one of those kind of odd apps really reminds me of myspace like you can put down like your favorite songs and all that stuff like the old day like tom used to bring it back in the day but uh yeah man so we've made it to an hour and i appreciate your time i appreciate the knowledge it always sucks trying to cram like all the knowledge and all the different things into like an hour time slot you never feel like it's enough because there's always more that you can elaborate on especially when you talk about like two different hobbies that come together like cameras and fishing and and all that different stuff but um i think if we could either one of us could encourage anybody it is you know if the fishing sucks pick up a camera 
that's it yeah and um also if anybody has any questions yeah just reach out to me i'm i'm always around you know to, to be able to answer any kind of questions you may have you know um very knowledgeable on the kayak fishing side as you all know i've been at it since 2008 i've been on the jackson team since 2011 or early 2012 something like that it's been a long run so you know it's and plus um throughout the years i've worked at delaware paddle sports you know um i i know you know the whole genre of brands and everything else i've i've rigged mm -hmm tons of kayaks over the years you know any questions on that side any questions on the photography side i'd, I'd be happy to answer it absolutely yeah hit them up plastichole.net uh find him up on the uh on the socials and uh head on over to delaware paddle sports buy something cruise through the cruise through order something and get it shipped to your house they'll deliver um but yeah guys thanks for watching uh matt thank you for being a great guest and uh yeah, hope thanks you for the will come back and do it again here in the future absolutely yeah, yeah. i mean we can get more elaborative next time you know if, if yeah. people send me their questions maybe we fill it in you know yeah and we can bring rudy on and haze him too it'll be a great time absolutely all right guys well thanks for listening to us tonight uh we hope you found value in in another episode of doc talk we will see you guys back next week we are back on schedule next week um we will be back on the 7th with a brand new episode just to give you a preface, guys, it's going to be ladies' night here at Jackson Kayak Doc Talk. So tune in, listen to the ladies of Jackson Kayak. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye bye. JacksonKayak.com. Go there now. Now. Yeah.